0: Hey, friend, thanks so much for stopping by for some community time around the fire pit. I've got some Tennessee white oak going. I'm going to run inside and get us both a cup of joe. Well, you're listening to Guad Dot Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, you've got it, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Hey, this is season 11, episode 224, title: Weeds. Subtitled, To God Be the Glory, quoting from an article on the web about crabgrass. The credit will be in the show notes. Crabgrass grows even in the worst conditions because it is remarkably stubborn and self-sufficient. It can steal valuable nutrients and moisture from your lawn, making it difficult for other grasses to grow. As a weed that germinates in the spring and dies off in the fall, crabgrass is also known for having a higher stalk space. That creates a perfect haven for pests. Another reason crabgrass is bad for the lawn is that this grass is sneaky in its growth, getting greedy for space where it spreads throughout the summer. Once the weather gets hot, it gets harder to kill crabgrass, which is the reason it's known for spreading so quickly. In fact, this annual weed produces as many as 80,000 seeds, and cold weather won't kill those seeds. This means that the seeds are laying on the ground in the lawn ready to sprout in spring, so a bit of crabgrass one season can turn into double the amount of crabgrass the next season. During the summer when the weather gets really hot and dry, other grasses nearby may suffer if they don't get adequate water and are maintained properly. Crabgrass is less needy and loves the hot and dry weather. These conditions are ideal for crabgrass thriving and overtaking portions of the lawn. Then after the fall peaks, crabgrass will lead to dead spots in the lawn to ruin the aesthetics of your landscape and lead to muddy tracks in your house if you have pets and kids. My friend, I have been battling and waging war against this goliath of weeds. First, I sprayed the fully developed plant with total vegetation killer. The concept more leaf area, more poison to the root. It turned yellow like dried hay. I then borrowed my son's weed torch, which looks like a weapon made for a zombie apocalypse. I turned the torch on full blast. I could barely stand it. It was so hot. My legs felt like they were burning. Holding the rocket engine flame, it's propane, holding the rocket engine flame directly on top of the weed for several seconds, as long as I could possibly stand the heat and the weed itself would not completely be consumed. So, finally, I took my handheld grinder and sharpened my garden hoe like the edge of a knife blade. It took all of my might seriously to extract the crabgrass out of the packed, dried dirt. I have a question. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Nobody plants crabgrass. Crabgrass is airborne and enters into your yard without invitation. It's clear from the book of Genesis that weeds came about as a part of the fall. But within the consequences of that original sin, God uses the weeds of life, to use that metaphor, to bring about His glory and His honor and His provision by His miracle-working power in real time in our real lives. God's great design in all His works is the manifestation of His own glory. Any aim less than this is unworthy of Himself. Deuteronomy 5.24 says that, look, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and His greatness. But how shall the glory of the Lord be manifested to such fallen creatures as we are? As much as we hate to admit it, our mind's eye is not singularly focused on God and His glory. We have ever a side glance towards our own honor. We have too high an estimate of our own powers, and we're not qualified to behold the glory of the Lord. It's clear, then, that self must stand out of the way, so that there may be room for God to be exalted." And this is the reason why he brings us so often into compressing and difficult situations. Weeds. So that, being made conscious of our own foolishness and weakness, we may be suitable to behold the majesty of God when he shows up to work our deliverance. Friend, it may seem counterintuitive. And I know it seems that counterintuitive seems to be a word I'm using a lot these days. But someone whose life is one even and smooth path that appears to be weed-free, will see very little of the glory of the Lord because they have few occasions of self-emptying, and as a result, very little preparation for being filled with the revelation of God. The person who navigates little streams and shallow creeks knows very little of the God of storms, but those of us who do business in the stormy seas of life are like His disciples, who fought for their lives that night amid the crashing waves of the Sea of Galilee, only to see his wonders in the deep when Jesus came to the rescue walking on the crashing waves. We too walk among the huge waves of bereavement. I'm thinking of dear friends tonight who just this past week had both of their fathers pass away within a day of each other. The husband's father died. The next day, the wife's father died. Terrible bereavement. Poverty, temptation, disapproval by others, and disappointment. But yet through this, we learn firsthand the power of God Almighty because we feel the littleness of ourselves. We feel the smallness of being human, and that's a good thing because we see God Almighty for who He truly is. Working on this episode, I read the news report of a young man named Jack Knight. I don't know anything about him. I just read that at the age of 28, a highly successful writer for a string of hit TV shows that segued to co-creating, executive producing, and starring in a new Peacock series called Bust Down. Like I said, I don't know anything about him, yet his grief and despair rose to the level of anguish that he went outdoors and shot himself in the head. Why such grief and hopelessness in the face of such great success? Friend, one thing is for sure. All the money and success doesn't eliminate the weeds those compressions and difficulties of life, those turbulent seas. Friend, we need to stop and thank God then if we've been led by a rough road and recognize the hand of God in it. It is this which has given us our experience of God's greatness and loving kindness, and to Him be the glory. To deal with the weeds apart from God leads to sorrow and great despair. We lose sight of how to make our way clear. By the power of God in our lives, our troubles have enriched us with a wealth of knowledge to be gained by no other means. Our trials have been the cleft of the rock in which God has set us, as He did His servant Moses, that we might behold His glory as it passed by. We can praise God that we have not been left to the darkness and ignorance which continued prosperity might have involved, or the darkness and despair a sense of abandonment provokes. But in the great fight of affliction... We have been equipped and made receptive for the real world manifestation of his glory in his wonderful dealings with us. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.